This is the Neurosurgery Podcast. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Um, You know, as we always say, we're so grateful to our listeners, everyone who's stuck with us since late 2019, not just for being an audience and listening to everything that we and our guests have to say, but also for the times that we hear from you. And over the years, we received a number of emails. We get contacted on Twitter. People walk up to us in person at meetings. And it, and it just feels so gratifying to know that not only are people listening, but they have ideas and thoughts and experiences they want to share back with us. And so recently, as we wrapped up this short little series we did on the changes to the neurosurgery residency interview process uh, for the 2022-23 interview season, so to speak, we put out a call to our listeners for anyone who's in medical school finishing up and actually going through the process as an applicant. And we were so delighted almost, I think the next day, we immediately heard back um, from this great young man. His name's Will Mwalem. He's a fourth year medical student at Georgetown University who's applying this year into neurosurgery. He reached out and he was willing uh, to give us his time and his perspective and, and speak openly with us and all of our listeners about what this process has been like and what he's anticipating when the interview season really kicks in. Will, welcome to the show. Why don't you say hello to everybody? Hi, everyone. Uh, Great to be here. Thanks for having me, JP and Dr. Wang. Um, As was mentioned, I'm applying to the neurosurgery match this year from Georgetown, uh, and I'm really excited to share my thoughts on the process. Uh, I've listened to almost every one of these uh, episodes in this podcast. I really appreciate what you guys do um, to keep us informed and for the profession. And, you know, it's always a very educational and entertaining experience. So thanks for having me. Of course. And, and welcome, Will. You know, I, I'm sure we're going to drill into some details about some of the specific new things coming this year. But I, I think the first thing we'd all like to, to hear is just what has it been like the past few years in medical school with the onset of the COVID pandemic um, I'm, I'm sure, as as did many people around the country, you experienced reduced access to the hospital rotations. And knowing that you're going into such a competitive specialty, which requires extensive clinical experience, has built in this expectation for external rotations. I'm sure that as each year went by and you were talking to the senior medical students advising you, it was a little bit daunting to think about, well, what, what's it going to be like when it finally comes to be my turn? So maybe you could briefly sketch for us what the process was like as a medical student during the pandemic getting to this point, and then we can talk about what's new this year now that you're finally arrived at interviews. Sure. So um, I think, you know, when the national lockdowns happened, it was around March of 2020, and I had just taken my step one exam um, that February. So I was transitioning from the preclinical to the clinical phase of medical school. And at the time, we were in orientation for our rotation. So, you know, I ended up having a delay of four months of my rotations, um, kind of, you know, myself and the rest of my class were sent home and we were making adjustments as we moved forward. But I think, you know, it gave me a lot of time to reflect, uh, gave me a lot of time to get involved in research even more because of the you know newfound time that I had. And this was a time when uh, I think I, you know, I myself realized that uh, you know, having so much t- time to dedicate towards research that it could be beneficial to, uh, you know, take a research year. And I know, I think that's something that's become more and more common, but I think especially with the pandemic, people have uh, 
taken the time to dedicate a year, if not more, towards research before applying to the match, specifically for neurosurgery. Uh, another thing was the limitations and, you know, how many away rotations you can do. So traditionally, before the pandemic, people were doing two to three. Um, and then, you know, the, every year during the pandemic has seen some sort of restriction with, you know, doing away with the rotations completely to allowing just one to now easing the restrictions and kind of, you know, almost back to normal now. But I think another motivation for people to dedicate time to doors to do towards research was, hey, when you come back from this research year, maybe things will be less restricted and you can do another away rotation. And, you know, I think, you know, that was beneficial for a lot of people who did that, did that this past year, like myself, who, you know, instead of being limited to one away rotation, were able to do more. Um, so, well, can I ask you, so you, are you a fourth, fourth year out of four years or fourth year out of five years? Out of five years, I spent one year between my third and fourth year. Yeah. Uh, You're not applying now. I am applying now. So I just, uh, I started my fourth year now of medical school, but oh. I took time the past year between my third yeah. and fourth year. To so do to clarify, you're actually in your fifth year of medical school, but you call yourself a fourth year, but you're in the fifth year of medical school, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you about this because it's really a, a topic of great interest to me as well as a number of others. Kenny Liu was a USC medical student when I was a resident. Kenny Liu, as you know, started Uncle Harvey and now he has the blog, I think. What's what's it called, JP? The blog everybody reads all the time? Um, uh, we were talking about this last time. I think Student Doctor Network is used by a lot of people. Um, I think that's used kind of across many specialties. And then Neurosurgery Hub is the new one that I, I think is kind of specific to the neurosurgery applicants. Yeah, I think it's Neurosurgery Hub, and it used to be Uncle Harvey, and they shut down Uncle Harvey. And Kenny Liu is just such a fantastic guy. He's been all over the place. He was at UVA for a while. I think he did his residency up in Oregon. Uh, but Kenny's a great guy. So shout out to Kenny for getting information out there. But, Will, tell us how it is that you go about getting information about what to do. Because obviously, as you said, you have, you have some insight, you have some opinions on how many sub-eyes you can do, what the optimal number is, and how to best you know stack the deck so you, you put your best foot forward for the applications. What are your sources of information that you tap into to try to get more informed about the process? Yeah, so I think it's really helpful to you know, have mentors in any field, but especially a small one like neurosurgery um, and a competitive field. Uh, so for me, I, you know, developed close relationships with a lot of upperclassmen from my medical school, current residents who, you know, gave me their advice and what things were like when they applied. Um, I also think a valuable resource, and I think I, I recommend this to a lot of my peers, is having a Twitter, even if you didn't want to be visible or have an active feed on Twitter, Twitter, just making one and following pages to, to stay up to date is really important. Uh, that's how I discovered the CNS virtual residency fair that happened. I believe it was last week. They had uh, two day sessions where each program spoke for about 15 minutes about their program, specifically in neurosurgery. Um, and I know a lot of my peers weren't aware that that was even happening. So I think Twitter is, is a great way to stay informed about what's going on in the field. I know Dr. Chambliss is active there as the chair of the medical student committee of the senior society. So I think Twitter has been helpful. I think talking to upperclassmen, people who have recently gone through the process can be helpful. But as a, you know, with the pandemic, I know that's changed every year for the past few years in terms of what things look like. So um, that those are my main sources is just, you know, people who I just applied and matched and, 
and then just, you know, going online and seeing what's out there specifically on Twitter. Yeah. And so, Will, I, I mean, I guess the for me, the logical next question is how well informed do you feel? I mean, you're, you're coming from a good medical school. We, we talked before doing this episode, you, you can choose whether or not to say where you're doing your away rotations this year, but you're doing away rotations at good programs. You're coming from a good medical school. You're plugged into these networks of both informal and kind of public formal outlets of information within the neurosurgical community. So now that we're getting close to when the interview season really kicks off, you know, we, we've had countless guests on talking about whether you know they'll have in-person or virtual visits and these these new preference signaling tools how well informed do you feel about what the next handful of months of your life will look like and how well you can really optimize the outcome you're looking for yeah so uh, i think the senior society this year which uh, has has done a great job of communicating that um, under dr chambliss they've released um, an Excel sheet with interview dates for that programs uh, are thinking of interviewing their applicants and whether they're going to be in person or virtual. Now they don't have every single program on there. I guess you know things and things can change, but I think it, that was helpful. And I think there's been a lot of communication um, on their part to get that to us. Um, so you know it, it's it's I feel well informed. I, I know that. Um, this is a developing process and things are constantly coming out. You know, one thing, the the away rotation guidelines for this year, I think they came out a little late in the spring um, may, after most people had already applied to the away rotations. So while, you know, they recommended doing your home, if you had a home and two aways, I know there are people who did their home in three um, and and they have communicated the fact that, you know, they, they understand their guidelines were released a little later. Um, so it's everything is still developing. Things are changing. Um, but I think there are a lot of things out there between the senior society and, you know, the, the CNS having the virtual residency fair and different ways of just staying up to date this podcast. Um, there, there is a lot out there. I think you just, as someone who's applying, you really need to be proactive and seek that information because, uh, I don't think there's anyone who's going to necessarily just provide you with those updates. Yeah. And, you know, not not from a place of criticism or neediness or anything like that. But uh, is there anything from your perspective or that you hear from your peers and other students that you talk to? Is, is there anything in particular that comes to mind where you feel not well informed? Is there any particular burning question you have or some specific focus of anxiety going into the interview season where, where you say to yourself, you know, I, I feel like I have my bases covered. I, I know how to book out this aspect of interviews and that. But man, this thing is really a big question mark for me still. Well, I think um, knowing how to budget and knowing how to um, schedule things over the next few months may be a little challenging just because different programs are doing different things this year, some in person, some virtual um, and so, you know, making sure I have a good setup at home for virtual interviews, but also making sure, you know, I have the budget to fly to the programs that are doing it in person and have a place to stay and things like that, um, is something I'm, you know, aware of, but overall, I think, uh, you know, things, things have been clear. This is the first year that neurosurgery 
as a specialty is using the supplemental application. And I think a lot of people, at least, you know, speaking to peers who are applying with me as well, weren't sure about was the program signals and how programs programs are going to use them. And um, some programs that you would do it, that you do in a away rotation at say, you don't have to signal us, but then others might be ambiguous or others say, we still want you to signal us. Um, so it's really different. You know, a lot of things aren't the same across the board. And, you know, before the pandemic, I remember listening to Dr. Wolf in the senior society saying, you know, if you had maybe 19 interviews, you'd have around a 95% of matching. Um, now with the virtual environment, I think there are more interviews taking place all around. So maybe that 19 has gone up by a few more interviews. And so, you know, if you have eight signals and let's say you signal places besides your uh, home rotation and two away rotations, that's 11 programs where, you know, you've indicated to them that you really are excited about them or really interested in in them. But how are you going to get up from that 11 to that 19 or 20 or 21 interviews to really have the highest chance of matching that you can, you know, if you don't do in a way at a program and you don't signal them, why is that program really going to take you seriously if, you know, you haven't done that? So a lot of questions out there. I think, you know, everyone's learning and adjusting. And so, so Will, let me ask you a question. It's, you know, this signaling thing really bothers me and I, I don't want to get overly dogmatic about the people who are making these decisions. I understand that they're occurring uh, out of some need and in response to, national trends, but I've always considered, I mean, the reason we're having this podcast is neurosurgery is different than ENT and urology. And I think that's why you chose to pursue this subspecialty, right? It's not just like ENT versus urology, right? And, you know, in terms of that ability to discern the applicants that have a level of dedication, skin in the game, desire, pluck, grit, whatever you want to call it, right? That is one of the key features of an applicant that every residency program is really looking for. And as much as we try to say that, you know, you know, there's the ideal applicant for the ideal program, we all understand that some applicants appear more desirable on paper than others, right? And you arrive at this scenario in your fourth or in fifth year, to be fair, and it's hard to change those things, right? You've either written the papers you haven't, either got certain scores on tests or you didn't, either went to certain medical schools or you didn't. You were either the the uh, the you know the quarterback in your high school football team or you weren't, right? So now you're left with the final step, which is how do you get across your message, your product, your label, your brand, whatever you guys call it nowadays, right? And I find that you know in your answer, and, and you're being very honest with us, so I thank you for coming on the show. It's it speaks to me the way that millennials seem to speak to me, which is that, and you, you may be Gen Z, right? You may not even be a millennial that like, you're talking about this sort of like the number of signals and how many signals and whatever. But in the end, in neurosurgery, we usually make decisions as a program based on, I think that person's going to do really well here or not. Right. So let me turn the question back to you a different way. It's a long preamble. I know, but I think it's necessary. How do you as an applicant get across Let's say you want to go to, to, to program X, that you really, really want to go there. And, and we've talked about on this show before, there are some applicants that are, there are no longer applicants, there are residents out there that we know, and they lied to us about where they wanted to be. I, every neurosurgeon has a roster in their head, and we know, who, we know who you are out there, right? We know that you lied, you said you're going to rank us high, you didn't rank us high, 
and and in the end, it's a small world, so we're going to know all this. So you have to be careful how you signal this. So in some ways, I kind of like the signal better because you don't run that risk of, oh, I'm going to – you're not supposed to say where you're going to rank a program. But you, you need to show that you're interested. And now you say that you need to interview at, what, 30 places, right? Because it's a Zoom interview. It's like whatever. It's another couple hours of your life. How do you, Will, get that message across to the program directors, the chairs, and the faculty? Yeah, that's that's a – Great question. I think it's important to, you know, uh, now we have these official signals through the supplemental ERAS application, but I think there are a lot of unofficial ways that you can demonstrate interest in a program. You can reach out to uh, residents in the program, you know, figure out a way to do it, whether there's someone who graduated from your medical school who's currently a resident there or, you know, a, a co sub I at a program knows someone at the program. Try to get into contact with someone there, you know, and learn about the program and, you know, try to contact the program director, associate program director, whoever it may be. I think you have to do something more than just apply. Um, so, you know, I'm, uh, for example, you know, CNS is coming up next month. I think for programs that I'm really interested in, you know, I, I'm hoping that I can, you know, reach out to some people in the program who, Maybe I didn't interact with much previously and ask, hey, are you going to be at CNS? I would love to, you know, chat with you for five minutes, whatever it may be, just to, you know, talk about the program and my interest and things like that. There are a lot of things you can do. I think it really just, you know, takes an effort on the part of the applicant to reach out. You know, that's, that's really interesting because at, throughout this whole conversation, I've been sitting here realizing that we've talked with so many folks at different in different roles, but on the program side of this whole process. And for us, and I, I say us now that I've been a resident for a few years, because that, that's exactly the realization I'm having is that we do this year after year. I've done this for a few years now. Dr. Wang has done this for many years. And everyone interviewing you is thinking about this is some new process that's different from how I've done it before. But for you, this is the first and hopefully only time that you go through this process. So some of that novelty is maybe lost on you because maybe there's more or less security in the expectations you have and more or less confidence in the advice you're given by the people advising you. But at the end of the day, you go through this process one time and then your approach and perspective on this process is radically different. Whereas everyone interviewing you who is you know, confused and maybe doesn't feel fully informed on all these new parts and moving pieces to it. They've done it for 15, 20 years, and, and they're thinking about the next 10 years of it too. So it's, I guess, encouraging to, feel, to, to hear that you feel like you have such a good handle on it and that you have these strategies and ways that you are attempting to give accurate information to the programs. And I also love the fact that we've had program directors and chairs on that can tell us in this informal space, here's how we think applicants show us they're interested. And now we have you, of course, an N of one, but an applicant from a good school saying, here's how I intend to show programs that I'm interested in them. Um, so I, I just wanted to underscore kind of the, the interesting difference in perspective from someone who is doing this for the first and again, ideally only time versus all of us who have been around the block, some more than others, and are looking forward to how this process is going to affect us moving down the line. So I guess like Dr. Wang, that was a very lengthy preamble, but with all of that in mind, with, with 
you sharing with us your methods for here's how I'm going to express interest. And we've talked with program leadership about here's how we interpret applicants' interest. Um, you mentioned a few things like the uh, residency program fair and just going up to people and, and the network, but how do you think programs are doing a good job or a poor job in getting information out to you as an applicant this year? And I, and I guess it's early in the process, so you haven't had the capacity to visit places or interact with them yet uh, during interviews. But at this point in your process, when you're deciding, here are the programs I'm interested in, how do you think we are doing in terms of getting information about us out there to you and your fellow applicants? Yeah, so I think um, when programs have a representative to speak about the program, whether it's on this podcast or another podcast or through virtual events like the residency fair that the CNS put on or you know, through um, individual programs, virtual events on Twitter, having like a virtual sub-eye or a meet and greet with the residents, things like that. I know there are programs that have done it. Uh, I'm sure I've missed some events as well, but I think that's a good way that programs have, you know, put themselves out there and really, you know, let applicants know about them. Another thing is, uh, I think second looks are important as well. So I think there there are plans for programs to do that in February. And I think once applicants have gone through the interview process and have decided which programs are in their top, you know, five or four, three, whatever it may be, going there and seeing it in person is especially going to be helpful for the applicant. I know there is an effort to have programs certify their match list prior to the second look so that students who don't have the means or aren't, or aren't able to go to second looks aren't going to be ranked differently based on that piece of information. But I think those are going to be helpful for us as well. Uh, I think uh, there's not much information on that now, but I know that is something that is pl- going to be planned moving forward. Um, but I I think programs staying virtual for interviews isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, there are pros and cons to virtual and in-person interviews, and it's not black and white. I actually recently looked at the Texas Star database, which is just an online tool that uses data from a national survey to help students navigate the match. Um, Georgetown gave me access to that. But I was reading in neurological surgery around 60% of applicants um, last year either strongly agreed or just agreed that they would be in favor of continuing virtual interviews. Um, so, you know, I thought it would actually be less, but it uh, seems like, you know, it, there are there are people who favor in person and those who don't pretty evenly um, across the board. So I think just having these virtual events is really helpful and, you know, having these second looks is going to be great as well. Well, Will, thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing your honest thoughts on this. And we look forward to seeing you on the trail this fall. Good luck in your application. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang, and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.